Well, today is Family Celebration Day, and we're going to bring into membership into this church 26 adults who, after evaluating and reading and looking over our belief systems and our culture and our values, our our mission and our journey, have have decided that I want to make City Harvest Church my church family. So I wanted to take this this, this opportunity to, today as we are going to be bringing these members up to talk about this, that the church is more than a gathering. It's the title of my sermon today, The Church is More Than a Gathering. And, and we got a few scriptures I have on the screen here. I know Jerry's going to follow me along back there. First, First Timothy 3, 14 and 15, it says this. It says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, and Paul had some intentions of visiting, visiting Ephesus where he had placed Timothy, he says, if I delay, you may know how you ought to behave. And that's not just behave as a minister of the gospel, but he's talking about the conduct of all Christians. We know how to conduct ourselves as, 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 as believers and followers of Jesus in the household of God. Now, when Paul has used this word household of God or household, it's always associated with family. This is a, a family picture. A household is where people live, and it's where people gather as a family. And usually in a household, you have a father. And we have a household, a family called the church, and we have a father over that church who we know is God. And so God is our father. Can I hear an amen to that? First John 3, 1 drives this point home. See what kind of love the father has given to us. Notice the father, that we should be called the children of of God. So as believers, we are called children of God, making God our our father. And if God is our father, then we are brothers and sisters. If if you got a you got a you got a, a woman next to you, you can say, hey sis, you got a guy next to you, you can say, hey bro. That's it, that's it. Bro. Come on, come on. That's it, that's it. Back in the kind of the old time religions days, you would say, hey brother, so-and-so's up here today. Or, Sister so-and-so, I know it's a little bit out of, antiquated, you know, those types of expressions, but we are family. Amen. We are the children of God. And as the, as the scripture says, you know, the, the, that the, the world does not know us as it did not know him, but we have a unique relationship with God. And in that, because he's our father, it makes us family. I want you to go to Romans 8.15. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, Romans 8.15. Paul said this, for you did not receive, we just sang this in this song, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We're delivered from the law system that we're saved on the basis of perfection and performance. We're saved by faith and adopted by God and his grace. We're not slaves anymore. We're not slaves to sin as we've, we've really emphasized today. We're not slaves to guilt and to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, if you go to Jerusalem today, anywhere in Israel, you see a bunch of little kids in a park, they're running up to their dad. They don't say, hey, Father. They say, Abba, Abba. In other words, Abba is a word that means daddy, papa. And so we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out to God, that you're our papa, that you're our, our dad. 
You know, in Roman culture, you could actually disown your natural son or your natural daughter. You could say, I'm emancipating them from me. I'm, I'm no longer claiming any right to them. They have no right to me. You could do that to your natural child. But if you adopted someone, you could never reverse that commitment legally. There's a power of adoption in the context that, that Paul used it. Paul used said in, in Galatians, in, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, he uses this Abba expression too. He says, because of this, God has sent forth the spirit of his son who cries, Abba, Father. So the spirit puts a, a spirit in us. It puts a cry in us that we call God Abba, Father, the spirit of adoption. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 and 48 to 50, speaking of Jesus. Now, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands toward his disciples, he said, here, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my, my mother. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that he had no natural affection for his own natural family or he had no commitment to his natural family. Both in what he taught and the way Jesus lived, he taught that we are to have affection and commitment to our natural family. So that's not what he's talking about. I don't have time to break that down and, 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 and clarify. You're just going to have to trust me on that or go do your own research. Jesus never told us just to bag our parents and, and forget about them and our responsibility to them to go run after the will of God. In fact, he actually said you do that, you cross the commandments of God. Okay, but, but what is Jesus saying here in this, in this text? He says, when we commit ourselves to God, when we say, Lord, I, I commit myself to you, Jesus, and I want you to come into my life by your spirit and change me and become the Lord of my life, we are not only receiving God as our Father, but we are also receiving his family. And we're not just committing ourselves to God to follow him, but we are committing ourselves to his family. We're committing ourselves to love his family. We're committing ourselves to serve his family. We're committing ourselves to receive that family, to be responsible for that family. Now, that family member may be weak. That family member may have handicaps. That family member may be horribly immature. That family may, member may be trying to overcome sin. That family member uh, may have all sorts of issues they're trying to overcome, but that family member is family. I think as parents, we all know that our kids just didn't come out of the womb perfect. And some of your children made you look like good parents. And others of your children made you into a good parent. It's just why you just couldn't say you're not family. There's a commitment to that child, and you got to parent that child. One more scripture, Matthew 23, verse 8 to 9. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. You know, the thing about titles, and I don't mind people calling me Pastor Bob, it separates me from the other 15 Bobs in the church. <laughs> but, 
But titles have a way of separating. Titles have a way of building walls. And I, I've never had a, a security issue about the way that I'm addressed because I know my authority is not in my title. My authority is in my anointing and my function. You got a doctor, it just seems every time you go, you just get a lot better. You don't care what's on the door of that doctor's office. I'm going to that guy because I seem to get well after I go to that guy every time. There's just something about titles that separate. Jesus says you have one father, and he says, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father. We have one father, and Jesus says, we are family. That's what Jesus taught. Three metaphors used by the Apostle Paul when Paul's describing the church. He describes the church in, a, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21. He describes it as a temple in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, if you look even at the, 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 the split-faced block that makes up this particular building, usually in Brick Lane, two blocks is connected to six other blocks. That they're usually in Brick Lane, two blocks over the one block, that it supports two, one on each side and two underneath. That every block and, and every building is connected with those over, with those beside, with those under. There's a connectedness that makes up this metaphor called the temple of God. It speaks of connection. The other, we already said, is a family. Paul said, how one ought to behave himself in the household of God. We have a father, we are children of God, we are brothers, and we are sisters. We have one father, and because of that, and we are connected to do the will of God, there is something that connects us in moving forward in the will of God. It's because we have one father. Amen. We have one father. And then, of course, a body. A body. Paul says the whole body joined and held together in Ephesians 4.16 held together by every joint which is, is, is equipped. And every joint does its share. Every joint is to be connected. I'm glad my head has a neck today. And I'm very glad my neck has some trapezius muscles and a spinal cord to hold my head on my shoulders. And I'm glad, I am so glad for my legs that hold up my whole body. And even the little small parts of our body I appreciate. Do you know I had an Achilles surgery back in 2015? They just, uh, they just ripped that baby up and took all sorts of scar tissue off and shaved off a bone spur and pinned it back in. You know, it took me about four months to learn to walk again. You know, you don't normally get up in the morning and think, how are my Achilles tendons doing today? <laughs> that wouldn't be the first thing on your mind. But I'm going to tell you something, that Achilles tendon holds up your whole body. And so I have a great appreciation for everybody's Achilles tendons because of what I went through. In fact, it's not a lustful thing, but I basically check out everybody's Achilles. <laughs> I just kind of look at, man, that's a good-looking Achilles tendon. <laughs> Especially in the summertime, people wearing flip-flops. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. I just love looking at Achilles tendons. Because I've learned how much that Achilles tendon is important to the rest of the body. And I'm so glad my Achilles tendon, even though it's artificially connected to my body, it feels so good to be able to stand. It feels so good to stand. We are a body. Christianity, I want to make this statement. Christianity 
It's not just a belief system. It is also a belong system. Romans 15, verse 5 through 7, Paul says this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome or receive one another as Christ has welcomed or received you. And what's the result of that? For the glory of God. Now, there are some, there are some commentators that believe that this verse was the motive of Paul's letter to the Romans. The book of Romans is more a relational book than it is a theological book, although it was a tremendous theological treatise. But what motivated Paul to lay out the whole courtroom of God and how we all fall short of the glory of God and, and how we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus and, and we have peace now with God and both the Jew and the Gentile are guilty before God is because he's laying out what is the basis for which God receives us. And it's on the basis of faith. And if that's the case, for you should read, God accepts sinners by grace, whether they're Jew or Gentile, therefore you should receive one another. That there was division in the Roman church between the Jews and the Gentiles, separated by dietary laws, Sabbath laws, and other types of laws of the, of the Mosaic system that kept them polarized from one another. And he was trying to bring them together so that one voice they might glorify God. The family thing that we're going to do today is very important because it brings glory to God. If there's anything our society doesn't do well, it doesn't come together well. Regardless of where you land, philosophically, politically, or anywhere else, the one thing we can all be grieved about is we are fragmented relationally. We're fragmented as a culture. We're fragmented as a nation. There's got to be some place that demonstrates the wisdom of God in bringing us together in unity, and it's the church. Some place where... Families don't break up. It's in the church. The family called the church should not break up. It's like the old joke of the guy who was a carpenter but was stranded on an island all by himself for a number, a long period of time. And so to basically pass the time, he, he started building things. And by the time they went and, and they got him, they, they saw basically three buildings on this island. He says, well, what's that first building you built? Well, that's my home. I built that home for myself. And he says, well, well, what's this building? Well, that's a, a church. I built a church. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, what's that building? Well, that's a church also. Well, how come you have two churches? Well, we had a split in this one. <laughs> bad. Did someone say bad? bad. Ushers, remove him. And it's true that Christianity is about the faith. The faith is the sum total of what we believe. There is a belief system. There's no getting around that. And it's also true that when we have shared values and we have shared beliefs, we, we have a way of drawing closer to each other because we so need to reinforce those values and re reinforce those beliefs and reinforce that faith, and it brings us together. But it's also true that Jesus taught us and the Bible teaches us to love all people. And it's also absolutely true 
that we can love people into maturity. And people really, and even a church like City Harvest Church, are not in the same place spiritually. And so we have people who, you know, may differ and have to defer to me. We have people who have a lot to learn. We have people who are learning how to obey. We have people who are working through some consequences of their own disobedience, and we're walking them through that. We have people who need to be comforted, and people who need patience, and people who need support. And I mean, this is called the family. Welcome one another as God welcomes you. He welcomes us into the kingdom, not by our perfection, but by our faith. Therefore, receive one another. You know, I asked Jesse Schrader if I could tell a little bit of his story, who's head usher. He and Nicole are marriage mentors. They've been, they've been community group leaders. They've been involved in so much leadership aspect of the church and just so appreciate him as a person. And, and, uh, but there was a day that Jesse was not following Jesus, and, and we had City Harvest Church going. There was a day that he used to mock me and laugh at me and razz me and give me a bad time. Didn't say nice things about me, but I loved him. And God took him and allowed a crisis, I should say, that happened in his life. And through that, Jesse went through a journey. Started off with going with his two brothers, Pete and Joe, and traveling across the United States. Just a journey, like, just kind of start, like, let's just deal with life, and maybe there's a God. That's how he started. But he started attending our church. He loved attending our church. He, he, he didn't believe in many things he believes today, but he just enjoyed being here. He enjoyed people connecting with God and, and people, he saw a sincerity and a sincerity of love and sincerity of faith. And we used to get together periodically, Applebee's in my office, and it was just like, it was like one layer after another layer after another layer. I remember one conversation I had with him as he was sharing kind of where he was at, and he, he was buying into this, but not buying into that, and kind of like, can, can I still come? And I said, you want to know if you can, you can belong before you believe. Now, I recognize there's levels of people can't move forward because of their lack of faith or, or because of where they are. I understand that, but he wanted just, he, didn't, he wasn't asking anything, but just, can I come? Can I learn? Can you be patient with me on a journey? And the the beauty of that is that you could just see that he was a goner, that God was going to win, that the Holy Spirit was just winning every month with Jesse. It was just, he didn't have to say much. The Lord was just having a party with him. I remember the last, one of the last things, and there's been many more that happened, it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was getting ready to go on a team to Haiti. We prayed for the team. He goes back, starts singing the songs that you're singing today, and all of a sudden, another language starts coming through his mouth. Jesse had to receive that that way, just the way he's made. But God just says, you know what? I love Jesse. I'm going to move him forward. And today, he's one of the pillar leaders of this church. And so there's a place where we got to love people into maturity because of family. Now, the church needs to be the place where the true heart of adoption is experienced. The experience being wanted by the father and his family. God adopted me because he wanted me. So if God wanted me, you got to want me. If God receives me, you got to receive me. Sorry about that. That's just the truth. Where people experience being uh, the commitment of people committing ourselves to one another in covenant. In other words, I'm committing to you as a family. I'm committing to you as someone that God has assigned me to. 
I'm committing myself to you in times of trouble. I'm committing myself to you for the long haul. You know, if you want people to hang around a long time, I'll tell you that it changes the way you relate to them. You treat people like trash, you'll lose them fast. You treat people with dignity, you're going to have them around a long time. It's so important that we have these types of relational commitments in the house. Come on. People experience receiving one another without discrimination. Come on, God doesn't receive me in the basis of race. He doesn't receive me in the basis of status. He doesn't receive me in the basis of gender or age or accomplishments. He receives me on the basis of my heart. That's what God looks at. It's the circumcision, the Bible says, made without hands. It's this it's that what God does in the heart, his operation, that's what God responds to. You know, the church is, is God's weapon to destroy hostility in human relationships. Amen. What kind of hostility? The church is the weapon to destroy the hostility causing rejection and isolation and loneliness. People experience rejection. People experience isolation. People experience loneliness because they haven't been wanted because they haven't been received, because people have not committed themselves to them, because they've been discriminated against. You know, one of the 26 people is going to become a member of this church is my, my sister right here. But I'm going to say something. When, when we were children, we were not allowed in places. When we were children, other children got to go in people's houses and we had to stay outside. When we were children, we were asked not to bring our mother into certain public places. You cannot come in here with your mother. We lived in a little town of 16,000 people right near the beach, and we had big signs all over the place. You are not wanted. So this is a big important message for me since I've lived one-third of my life with a not wanted sign on. But in the house of God, we heal and we destroy that hostility. We say, all the undesirables... You're welcome here. Come on in. Pull up a chair. Because this is the family of God. The church is the weapon to, to destroy hostility that results in abuse. Whether physical or spiritual, emotional or verbal, there is abuse. You know, people are wounded in relationship. No one says, you know, I, I'm wounded because I got up and I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. That's not where, that's where people are wounded. They're wounded through human relationships. If they're, if they're wounded in human relationships, then the, the antidote and the, and the remedy for that is being healed in human relationship. What replaces abuse and all these things is commitment and servanthood and love and all these other things. The church is the weapon to destroy the hostility of intolerance toward race and gender or class. My color lines are erased. Gender lines are erased. Not that we don't want men to be men and women to be women, but you understand what I'm saying. A lot of guys say, well, a woman can't preach and prophesy and lead in the house of God. Well, who on earth was Deborah in the book of Judges? Who was Huldah who advised the priests on what to do when they discovered the law? Come on, who was Aquila and Priscilla taught Apollos more perfectly the way of the, of the law? Who was Miriam who was, was tied with, with Aaron and Moses as those who led Israel out? Who was the great company of women in the Psalms who heard my word and declared it? Well, God uses women. Sure, men are covering, men are strength. Men are, God gave men to cover and to strengthen. But come on, release 
Release women from the discrimination that holds them back. Come on, the church is a place where the hostility of generation separation is taken, taken away. Come on, we need old and we need young. We need the young because the Bible says that's their strength. We need young because that's their zeal and their idealism, their creativity, their relevance, their technology ability, their whole contextual ability to relate to culture. Come on, some of us old folks, we got to go through reverse mentoring. We got to sit down with them and teach us. I need help. When my daughter Annalise was in New Zealand, my wife would wake her up in the morning on the other side of the world. I can't get my computer on. <laughs> Annalise would just be getting out of bed with her coffee and giving Sue instructions. Come on, the older generation has wisdom, experience, influence. You know what they have? They have the big picture. They have the big picture. And you know what else they got? Money. We take, all the, we take all the 40, 45-year-olds and older out of here. We're meeting in a tent down by the river. All right. <laughs> I remember one old guy sat me down right before I got married, and he said, Bob, see my house, see all my furniture, see all that I possess? I said, yeah. It took me my whole life to accumulate this. I'll never forget that word of counsel. You grow old, you just, you just get worth more. Sorry, young people, I appreciate your $50 a month. I really do. But I sure appreciate someone who can give $30,000 a year and still go on three vacations. It makes that board work. It makes those church plants work. It makes the single mom thing work. It makes our outreaches work. It, come on, we all give, but come on, there's a contribution we need to remember. Well, the hostility of independence. Someone just says, I don't need the church, I just have Jesus. You know, there's a real statement they're making towards the church and the people in the church. They're saying, one, I reject you. That's hostility. Two, they're saying, I won't assume any moral responsibility for you. That's hostility. And then lastly, it leads to independent thinking and deception, which is hostile to the gospel. Come on, we need to kill, kill, the hostility of independence. Last point, let's look deeper into Jesus' new commandment. What did he say? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now listen to this. Here's, here it is. Here's the new commandment. Not just love one another. That's already been given. That was part of the law. Just as I have loved you. You know, Jesus, Jesus did life with his team. Jesus was long-suffering and gave great grace to his team. Jesus served his team. And Jesus, it says in John, loved his team to the end. To the end.